Recent high-profile crimes allegedly committed by accused people who are out on bail have raised questions about Canada's bail system. Joining us to talk about it is Carolyn Ewell, Associate Professor of Sociology at the University of Guelph. Good morning to you, Professor. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Can you explain, just sort of as we step back a little bit, how does the bail system work in Canada? When you're accused of a crime, what happens? Well, very generally, bail uh, is the procedure to determine if a person who is charged with a criminal offense is going to be released into the community or whether they will be detained uh, while they await their trial date. Um, And a really important goal in in Canada at this stage is to balance the rights of the accused, which involves the presumption of innocence, while also maintaining public safety and uh, the public confidence in the administration of justice. So we're talking about it, must be talking about it for a reason, Professor. What are the issues that currently exist with our system? Well, we're talking about it right now uh, because there have been some high-profile crimes committed by accused on bail. Um, and, and uh, you know, as you know, politicians have been calling for a tougher, a tougher bail system. Um, my position would be that the research shows that the law on bail as it currently exists actually provides uh, justices with plenty of room to detain people who are considered dangerous um, or who might not show up for court. But there is no doubt that the implementation of uh, bail in Canada can and should be improved. So I think it's very useful uh, to to be having conversations about what we can do to improve the the system. Um, You know, a couple of things that we need to do for sure is have speedier justice where we have accused move more quickly to to their trial date. So this is going to reduce the amount of time that accused people spend in the community before they serve their sentences. And it also has an added benefit of ensuring that accused do not uh, accrue additional charges, often for non-criminal behavior if they're on bail for months to years at a time. Just what, what determines bail or not? Is it based on the type of crime committed? Uh, in part, it's based on the type of crime committed. It's also based on the criminal history. It's also uh, determined in part by how accused, if they have uh, been um, in contact with the criminal justice system before, how they've performed on bail. So have they, do they have a history of breaching bail conditions from, from previous charges? Um, often it depends if they have a surety or somebody in the community who's willing to step up and say that they will uh, take responsibility for the accused. So certainly their, their social and economic position can determine who is released into the community with conditions um, versus who is, is remanded into custody to await their trial date. Professor, can we get more into the risk assessment tool uh, aspect? We're, we're hearing that the risk assessment tool can be used to determine an accused person's likelihood, perhaps, of reoffending or failing to appear in court. Uh, what does a risk assessment tool look like, and can we talk about its uh, efficacy? Uh, how effective are they? For sure. So there's been a lot of research conducted on risk assessment, and the goal of a risk assessment really is to determine, based on a variety of Um, criminal justice factors, social, psychological factors, whether somebody is determined to, um, you know, be at risk of reoffending if they are released. The real challenge with risk assessment, it is very, very difficult to determine ahead of time 
who is going to reoffend in the community, particularly when you're trying to determine who is going to offend violently if they are um, out in the community. And so the danger when you live in a country where presumption of innocence is foundational to your criminal justice system is that you risk detaining far more people in custody who are legally innocent than would actually uh, offend violently if they were released into the community uh, with with bail conditions, with uh, a surety, um, with the support of a bail supervision program, for example. Professor, in your article for theconversation.com, you outlined five specific ways to reform the bail system. I know you talked a little bit about it, but you know, what's your biggest recommendation in this sense then that needs to be done better? Well, I think, you know, on, uh, we've talked briefly about the need for speedier justice. So that's absolutely key. The second uh, recommendation that I would make really is a recommendation that falls outside of the criminal justice system and it's access to community resources. So I'm just wrapping up a study where my colleague and I have talked to over 30 bail supervisors in Ontario, and time and time again, they emphasize the desperate uh, need for housing, affordable housing, so homelessness, mental health, uh, addiction, trauma. Those are realities um, that many people on bail experience. Um, And unfortunately, it's extraordinarily difficult to adhere to bail conditions when you're homeless and you have no idea where you're going to sleep each night, when you have an active addiction, um, you know, compliance can become an afterthought. Wait lists for housing are extraordinarily long. Wait lists for rehab centers for addiction are months to years. So we need to address some of these uh, structural factors and sort of the underlying causes of crime. Speaking with Professor uh, Carolyn Yule, Professor of Sociology, University of Guelph. And, and Professor, uh, can we look at other nations who are doing things, you know, perhaps better than we could? Or is this an apples to oranges comparison because every nation is different? So I think absolutely we can make comparisons. We haven't done it very much. Certainly the bail system in the United States, which is the country that we you know, often uh, look to when we're making comparisons with criminal justice, their, their system operates a little bit differently. But I think that there's tremendous value in, in looking um, at other nations to see what works and, and what doesn't work and see what might be more uh, beneficial to, to apply in the Canadian context. Although, as I say, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, as I say, you know, I think I, I think the 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 bail system in Canada uh, does work reasonably well, and I also think that we we have a sense of what we need to do to improve it. One other thing I would say that we need to do in our own country is have a much better uh, and systematic collection of bail data. So we don't know enough in our own country to be able to compare to other countries. So for example, how long are people on bail? What are the number and type of conditions that they receive? How often do they breach? When they breach, what are the nature of their offenses? What happens when they return to the courts? Do they, are they detained? Are they released with a more restrictive release? And also really importantly, given uh, the, the recent high profile cases, what's the average length of time accused are free in the community after they've breached their bail conditions and there's been a bench warrant issued for their arrest. So that's really an implementation of bail issue. Fascinating and necessary conversation. Thank you so much for joining us with your perspective this morning. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great day. You too. Carolyn Ewell, Associate Professor of Sociology at the University of Guelph.